Hey, hey, soul fam. Welcome to a sparkling, fresh episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I am your host, shaman, and author of the best-selling book, Animal Power, Allison Charles. And I really feel you're going to love today's episode as we get to sit with Todd Savas. Who is Todd? He is an international spiritual teacher and sage. He combines ancient wisdom with modern savvy to deliver simple yet powerful mystical tools for the modern world. He is a TV regular with appearances on Extra TV, KTLA, Good Day LA, The Morning Show in Australia, and Young Hollywood. And as you'll hear in today's episode, I had the good fortune of spending some in-person quality time with Todd at a hot springs here in Texas when he was visiting. And I could sense right away that he is the perfect kind of guest that I love to have on. He is fully dialed in with the divine and he just keeps it really clear and really real with his readings. So in today's episode, you can expect a mix of what it was like to have one of his readings with a celebrity go super viral. He gives you a very generous backstage pass on all of that. His Universal Speaks Oracle Card Deck. What makes this deck so unique and the types of readings that you can have with it? Yes, you. You can have your own reading with Todd, just like I did. And we actually go over some of my reading, give some personal insights to you all. What intention casting is, different types of rituals that Todd loves to facilitate and partake in, high level curse banishing. We have not covered this topic yet on Ceremony Circle, and we definitely dive into that today with Todd and why he's been called the restaurant whisperer. And lastly, We share insights on how you can learn to even more deeply trust yourself with your own spiritual gifts and perhaps even tune into the unique style of spiritual offerings your soul came here to be of service with. So let's just do it, fam. Here we go with spiritual teacher and sage Todd Savas. Hi, Todd. I'm so happy to see you again. Nice to see you again. I love your floral background and your hat. This is a good look for you. Thank you. Thank you. Needed a little bit more of a calming vibe during pandemic. So why not some wallpaper? <laughs> sure. Why not? So um, I normally don't start my interviews this way, but I just thought it would be fun with you to do this. You're, I think it's in LA currently, so it's a little bit more morning time. So I was curious, like, what have you done so far this morning? Are you a tea person? Are you a morning ritual person? How is your morning? Well, this morning, I actually, so every day on my Instagram, I do a sort of pull three different cards. So I actually went outside taking the pictures that I use for those posts in the morning, but I'm not really tea. I have coffee, but it's this organic coffee that's mixed with like five different mushrooms. So like reishi, chaga, lion's mane, all that sort of stuff. And then just boring oat. I love a good oat milk and my husband, Luke, loves his coffee. There was just something that happened with me about like, I guess maybe six or seven years ago at this point where coffee just was not a match for me anymore. So I had yeah. to pivot out of it, but I still love the smell and I'm still like drawn to it, but I had to go more the tea route. So, well, I'm just so happy to have you and for my audience to get to know you because you and I know we have a mutual friend in common, Kimberly Vanderbeek, and she and I and some other friends go to these particular springs in Texas somewhat regularly. And one time when I was heading there to meet her, she said, oh, I happen to have my friend Todd with me. You're going to love him. And I did. I just really appreciated the energy that you embody. I appreciated your confidence, but it wasn't like ego-filled confidence. And it wasn't confidence that had like a braggart energy. You just felt so clear and rooted and grounded in the knowingness of who you are. And then our time... Yeah. And our time together just flowed into you offering to do that ritual for me. And I just knew my point is, I just knew I wanted to have you on. So thank you for being here. I wanted to start with your cards because I Mm -hmm. think that's such a unique thing about you. I've had the good fortune for the soul fam joining us. I 
asked Todd if he would give me a reading with this one-of-a-kind deck. So I'll just let you explain a bit how this is the only deck of its kind in all the universes and where did the idea come from and what can your deck facilitate? So I started making these cards. I Now it would have to be about sort of 12 years ago. And this came after learning how to read with tarot, learning how to use Oracle decks, after going through that process. And when I was sitting with people, there were like these moments where I just started to get bored using decks because I was like, there should be more cards in here. This isn't exciting enough. I want more like imagery and there's this woman who was essentially my teacher when it came to reading and that sort of stuff. And uh, she always would make her own cards, but she would take playing cards and then go through women's magazines and rip out pictures and then laminate them. So you'd have like Brad Pitt come up and that would mean something specific to her. That's fun, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And she's this woman from Cyprus. She speaks in broken English. She sits there smoking at the kitchen table, drinking the Greek coffee cups. And that's actually who the Oracle and the Matrix is based on. So she was essentially my teacher when it came to the sort of reading portion of what I do. And she was like, you're going to make your own deck of cards. And I was like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to be a fashion stylist. And so eventually... Obviously, she was right, but I never thought that I was going to be drawing them myself. I just went through and wrote down all the cards that I sort of intuited would be good, but I've never seen in sessions or in readings or in decks. And so there was that component to it. But then the spirit sort of showed me how to do spirit drawings or amulets. And so eventually they were like, this should have been obvious to you. Why didn't you put this together? Put them both together. And I was like, oh, okay then. So then it was another couple of years going through and drawing these drawings. So they're all hand-drawn just for reference. Most decks, as you know, have about sort of maybe 40 to 60 and tarot into the 70s. This is 444. So, or, you know, okay, just so you heard it correctly, you said 444 cards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you took the phrase other level to another level with your card deck, Todd. Just yeah, saying. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of like I was doing them and doing them. And then I was like, well, it needs to end on like a multiple of three, obviously. But I'd already gone past three, three, three. So I was like, well, next one's four, four, four. So that was essentially the sort of the vibe behind it. And I like using these cards and what I hear back from people as well is firstly, I, with most of them, I have both. So the positive and the negative of the same message. So if you get whatever message you're getting, it's not that sort of thing of like, well, I can just choose to read this however I want, which when there are less cards, you kind of can, mm. and it becomes a little bit easier for the ego to really just turn the message into something that we want to hear instead of what actually needs to be said. So that's one aspect to it. But I also then have archetypal things. So we've got angels in there, got numbers in there, got astrology references as well. I'm very broad church when it comes to my mysticism and spirituality. So the cards sort of reflect that as well. So there are very blunt, mundane messages like your ex is still in love with you, but won't admit it. Mm. Then right through into things like ascension based things and twin flame journey things. So it's kind of that whole picture that I like in the cards. Wow. Okay. So hearing you talk about this, it's giving me the urge I'm going to lean down in a second and grab my phone so I can pull up because you sent me a picture of the cards that uh -huh. revealed from my reading. And so while you're answering this next question, I'm going to try to pull that picture up, but can you give a couple more examples of like, cause I love that concept of this deck being so thorough and specific. It doesn't let your ego do what it wants to do. Can you give a couple of card examples of what that type of card is? Yeah. I mean, so I've got a card that basically is bullshit, like says the word bullshit. Oh um, also got lies and deception, also got a secretive questionable person. Then it goes into more psychological archetypal stuff. So like in a saboteur, the player, and then through into the opposite. So like a good solid person, 
and then into cards like you are not being honest with yourself, mm. uh, really those things that you don't want to have thrown in your face, but if they're thrown in your face, that's exactly what you kind of need. And you need that very specifically if you are trying to avoid that topic as well. And you know what's coming in now as I'm hearing you share that. I didn't know this until I started to do a bit more research on you. And I saw that video of the Jenna Dewan reading. (laughs) I put the in quotes because like it kind of blew up. Like it kind of took on this like whole journey and life of its own, which I wouldn't have guessed that either of you would know at the time that it would you know, the foreshadowing taking place, but just for the people joining us that maybe are unaware of what we're talking about, Jenna Dewan is an actress and a dancer, and I'm sure she does many things that I don't know about. She's probably a philanthropist and all these wonderful things, and she's into spirituality. So she had Todd on her YouTube. She's one of Kimberly's best friends too. Yes, exactly. So she's woven in the web. I have yet to meet her, but yeah, I know she's really into metaphysics and the spiritual path. And so she, yes, she has Todd on her show and you gave her a reading. You did different things. You know, there were different segments with you, but in this one particular reading, can you explain a little bit about, there was one card, was it the player card? There was something that came into that reading that was a bit of foreshadowing as to what ended up happening with her and her now ex-husband, the actor Channing Tatum, I believe. And so that video lived online for a while. And then fast forward, I don't know how many months later, their relationship ended. And then somehow that reading went viral again, because it was like a psychic Todd Savis predicted the demise of that. What was that journey like for both of you? I mean, so it's really interesting and it's kind of hilarious that people don't quite imagine that the reading that you give to someone when it's being filmed for a larger audience is different from the reading that you're going to give them when no one else is listening. And so these cards are coming up. What ends up happening is I'm having this conversation on one level, which is basically just like, broad in general, but then underneath you're having a different conversation that only the two of you know about anyway. Mm. And so to me, I was just saying these things and alluding to these things and just sort of, you know, sharing what the cards were, but without going too deeply into it, because also with my readings, I always feel that like privacy and personal secrecy is at the paramount of all of right? So it would be so egotistical of me to try and grandstand by revealing any of these things, which probably would make someone uncomfortable or they just don't need anyone and everyone to know all of that stuff. So I'm like having these conversations, we're talking about this stuff. To me, it is very like light, I guess. And ironically then they it got picked up into a news cycle. Then it was on E online and L.com and all of these outlets just started picking this up. And I thought it was hilarious. And then also when these morning shows were like, as you expect the skeptic or the one who plays the skeptic is like, well, it was so like broad in general. And I'm listening to that being like, of course it was broad in general. Like it was always going to be broad in general, but for me and with Jenna, I was just ensuring that she knew that there was no part of me that was interested in taking that and utilizing it for my benefit as well. So even after that, when I got interviewed on TV, when I had said, I don't want to be asked anything about that specific topic, they, even tried on live TV to ask those specific topics. And it was an interesting sort of moment for me to really just sit in with what I know to be the most important thing, which is that sort of aspect of the person's privacy Mm -hmm. and doing what you said you would do. So yeah, holding that sacred space and you staying in your integrity and the integrity of your work. And thank you for giving us that kind of behind the curtain sneak peek. You know, I, I think this type of storytelling that seems to come up a lot on ceremony circle is so powerful and so of service for the people joining just to 
see even a five minute glimmer of what goes on behind the scenes for spiritual teachers and guides who also function in the media and as public figures, you know, we're juggling and balancing so much. And it's like, for anyone who hasn't been on that particular path where people like you and I are bridging in so many different worlds at one time, and they have like criticism for how it's done. It's like, my response to that is always like, I welcome you into this world as well. Like if you are also having this, a similar calling and you feel that you can do it with even more integrity and do it with even more healthy embodiment, I certainly, I will be the first to greet you at this. Show me, show me. Yeah, exactly. So thank you for sharing that story. And I did find my reading. And there were so many intriguing cards that came up for me. One that really stood out were how many Asian deities or Asian Mm -hmm. guides that were coming in. And typically for me, that's not a category of spiritual guides that I typically work with. So that I enjoyed that. And I've got more leaning in to do with that is Mm -hmm. Quan Kung. Quan Kung, Chinese God of essentially... Uh, masculine protection business. He's the one that would go to war for you. Okay. Wow. Well, that is a really good friend to have on my team. I definitely need to uh, do a little more research and just like connecting into the other realms with him to see where that relationship might go. And then I can't pronounce this one. Sai Shen. Sai Shen. Yeah. Chinese God of wealth. Ah, wow. I really really had a good group of people coming in. I want to see, I feel like there's maybe another card in here. And and so to jump in, remember when we did that little ritual for you at the hot springs, we called on Kuan Yin, female Buddha of compassion. I think this would be another good kind of backstage glimmer for people to hear from you. So you offered, as we're sitting in the Springs, you're just like, Hey, if you're open to it and it feels like the right time, I would love to, to offer you a brief ritual before we leave the Springs. And it did resonate. And I said, yes. So are the two guides that we mainly called in to work with Quan Yen and Hecate? Hecate, yep. Okay. So did they, like, how are you doing that tuning in to see that, oh, I definitely want to call in her. And then later Quan Yin showed up. Like, how does that process work for you? Primarily in those moments is sort of play cognizance. So it's that sort of like a drop of that momentary sort of strike of insight that's coming from those particular energies, or it's my soul's sort of like, oh, this would be good for you to include in that. But when in the dynamic that we're talking about here, it was very much so like, these are the most appropriate energies to call on in this moment. It felt like they were unfamiliar to you, which also makes it more fun because then it's like some new friends to start to connect with as well. And also in, so obviously Quan Yin is Asian mysticism, but then Hecate is pagan. And so she represents the three stages of the mother, Mm. maiden, mother, and crone. And it felt so specifically symbolic for you in this sort of journey of shifting roles of feminine as well. And in pagan tradition, she's super powerful. So she's like a goddess of witches. So she's definitely a powerful ally to call on. Yeah. I Googled her after I got back from the Springs and I was like, Oh, I felt her power. And that's what made me Google her. And I was like, okay, that was a good call. So, and yeah, you were spot on. Like typically I work with goddess Isis by far the most, but goddess Anya and different goddesses from Africa. But the two you called in were newer. I also thought it was cool in my reading that the animal communication card came in looking at that with like the doggy face. I thought that was obviously appropriate. And the buy a lotto ticket came in and that was underneath the vision gate. Could you just touch on that combination a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. So I call, instead of the chakras, I call them gates. So vision gate is the third eye chakra. And so that in combination with the buy a lottery ticket, 
One, it is the physical prompt to go and actually buy a lottery ticket because when you go and do that, it really activates the part of yourself that's like, oh, I could win. And so immediately you're beginning to expand your consciousness to the concept that there's abundance that can flow to you in ways that you don't even know about yet. So it begins to shift this sort of flow towards possibility. And then in connection with the third eye chakra, what it's really prompting then into that is opening the lens even further to see greater opportunity for limitlessness as well. So allowing that sort of intuitive perception to be geared towards seeing greater possibility and luck. Would you be open to pulling two or three cards for the soul family joining us? Sure. Okay, guys, you guys, I just want you to get yourself in a space of presence to receive these blessings. This is a really unique opportunity because like we've been talking about this deck, this 444 card deck that he's now shuffling, um, is literally the only one currently in existence on the planet. And so, you know, this is just a really special, unique time that we're about to have with Todd. And thank you for your generosity in doing this. I sprung it on him as we jumped on Zoom. I was like, do you happen to have your deck near you? I was just feeling the call to have you guys step into this opportunity. Okay. So we'll just kind of let the spirit dictate whether or not it's three individual messages for different people or whether or not it's one pertaining to all. We'll just sort of see what happens. Love it. It's my favorite kind of reading. (laughs) Seeing what happens. So for whoever gets this, take what resonates, leave what doesn't. I always try to make these connected to the most common flow of energy that we all experience. But of course, everyone is in various points in time. So, you know, can't make it as universally compatible as possible, but I try to do my best. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't imagine what it feels like to hold a deck that big in your hand and like to do the tuning in. My animal power card deck has 75 cards and yeah, add about another 400 onto that. It's got to be, it's a lot to tune into. <laughs> It is a little bit, but I mean, look, the benefit is because I have made them myself. I have such now experience with each of them as well. So it's kind of like, oh, you old friend, I've seen you before kind of thing. So it helps in that context. Okay. So interestingly, first card, Twin Flame. Oh, woo! I see firecrackers erupting around the field. So cool. Um, So Twin Flame is an interesting topic, uh, especially in the spiritual realm right now, because a lot of people hear about the term and the term was actually and is a higher aspect to the mechanics of ascension. But now because it's been sort of utilized in this romantic vibe, it's often mistaken and projected a lot as well. So many people in the spiritual community deeply yearn for their twin flame, but they're not doing the spiritual preparation for it to actually functionally create itself into a romance. So there is one spiritual, if I can share, basically not everyone sees it this way, but I go by what I have now come to understand by spirit and soul, because my work is essentially with the soul realm anyway. So Because we live on a planet of duality and polarity, when the soul comes here, it has to abide by that law. So it essentially shares itself between what looks like two physical forms. But of course, there are no physical forms here. It is all just your energy. So what you're really looking at is still one bandwidth of energy, one soul. So ultimately, as all energy wants to draw itself together, they will want to reconnect with itself. That's the nature of stuff. But in between all of that is the illusion of density, which is ultimately fear. So the twin flame journey is kind of indicative of the soul readying itself to come together. But that means that the work is to remove the appearance or the realness of the fear that's in between those two points. Mm -hmm. So when someone is undertaking a twin flame journey, what they have to do is work on the fear that is activated or triggered because of this apparent relationship that focusing on the person, because the fear will tell them that if they have that person, then they'll be happy. But of course that's illusion. 
So that's essentially what the twin flame principle is and how to work with it. Beautiful advice. Love that perspective. Okay. So next card that came out is your heart has checked out. So for those that need this message right now, it's really a prompt in this moment in time to recognize when and where you have been hurt. It is never a remedy to step out of being present. So in the moments when you have been hurt, when you've been disappointed, when you've gone through whatever, when you've been rejected, when you've been whatever, in its most extreme, this is the spirit's prompt to say, this is still a time to show up being vulnerable, present, and ready to feel again. Mm. There will not be no success in being absent from feeling. There will be no reward or payoff. There will only be more absence because that's the only thing that it can create for itself. So this is an invitation to step into the feeling, even and especially if it is still hurting and breathe through it and go easy on yourself and gentle, and then allow yourself to feel and breathe through the pain as opposed to avoiding it and thinking that you're going to get hurt again. Ah, that one feels so resonant just in general in my relationship with Luke, like the main pillar that he lives by. And he's like, how can I keep my heart back open? Like anytime that we're in a disagreement or anything's going on and he might feel a chamber or his whole heart attempting to shut down, he's very present and aware to that. And he is just such a master. Like he knows nothing good ever comes from shutting down your heart and closing your heart. And so as soon as he feels that process, he'll do whatever he needs to do to open it back up. And also that second part that you were sharing about just like staying with the feeling and not distracting yourself out of pulling yourself out of that rawness, that tenderness, that discomfort. Like, yeah, if you can just sit in those waters and continue to be gentle and compassionate with yourself and be with the rawness that's coming up, like that's, those are those precise nucleus orbs that open up whole new worlds for yourself. So that one feels incredibly resonant and timely. Absolutely. And so when you were describing him and his energy, I just put an extra card because, you know, sometimes we like to. And he gave you the exact definition. The card is a previous relationship has created fear. And so that is the dynamic that if you can help yourself remember that I am only closing off because I am scared because of what happened before, then coming back to the basic spiritual principle, which is you have to be focused in the moment. If you're not focused in the moment, then you're not where you're meant to be, which means you can't be focused on the past because if you're focused on being hurt in the past, you're not in the moment. So that prompt helps us to be able to be like, there is no evidence of this fear now. It's only based on something that is elsewhere. And that can sometimes help really push you further into just stepping through the pain as opposed to kind of expecting and then creating it. Okay. And then the last card that we pulled before was you worry about others help too much. You are strong. Mm. So this card in itself ties itself together with these others because what the spirit essentially delivers with this message is you have every tool within you to master whatever this fear is, whatever the pain is, whatever the, the, the trigger, whatever the anxiety is, whatever the mysterious unknown that's causing your ego mind to freak out in this moment, the soul, the spirit wants to remind you that you have everything within you. You just need to dig inside of yourself to find those things, to find that power, to find that courage that already exists within you. This is a card that also says that there is no one external to you that can fix this for you. It is a journey within that will ultimately free you from the illusion of this fear and mm. also of the pain of the past as well. And then once you start to discover that you are your own toolkit to break through, mm. then you will always be able to reach for it as opposed to thinking or feeling that someone else has that thing that will make you better you have that skill within you. And that is the invitation to find it. Love it. I can't think of a better, you know, quick, concise card reading to share with the world, like at any time, but I just feel, especially now, I mean, it's more important than ever that we take responsibility and do our own work and learn how to sit with discomfort and learn how to trust ourselves. 
that's one thing that I feel I've gained a ton of mastery on is if you put the entire spectrum of possible earthly human emotions, I am in healthy relation with all that I have met. Like when one comes in, even if it's incredibly challenging or uncomfortable, I know how to be in unification with it in a healthy way. I know how to speak with it. I know how to sit with it for however long it needs to. And that's truly one of the biggest superpowers that I have. And just being able to be in that full spectrum and learning to trust yourself in that whole spectrum is of service for you in literally every life experience and everything that you do, because you're not in resistance of, you are learning how to become at one with everything. And my web, my spider weaving web of being at one with all that is, has grown so wide and has gotten so anchored and embodied that I'm able to then morph and adapt with anything that comes my way, which alleviates suffering. And I could go on and on, but wow, like that two minute card reading was a powerful one. So thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure. Okay. So one theme that kept coming in when I was thinking of you and your essence is you seem really adept at trusting yourself. And I see this a lot and also just get DMs and messages from people all the time, like wanting to go to an external source to get an answer or figure something out. How in the world on your journey did you start to get equipped with trusting yourself? I mean, it's clear you do that in a lot of ways, but just this card deck is just one example. How did you get to a place of trusting yourself to create your own deck, do your own style of reading? What are a couple of steps you've taken that might be of service for others? So obviously... In my astrological chart, I'm lucky enough to have actually lived with a world-famous astrologer when I lived in London. And so she went through all of my chart with me consistently. And she was like, it's very obvious in here that you're pretty, I think she even used the phrase bloody-minded. But when it comes to like the information I was getting when I was young, I was always very much so like, I'm not reading anyone's stuff because I want to make sure that whatever I get is coming from my connection. So that was definitely one aspect to it. But I was also raised in a Pentecostal church. When I was younger, I was being sort of equipped or bred to be a prophet of God because they could tell that I had the gift. And so that was basically what I was going to be doing. But in that, I was also super misled because I was also in the belief that spirituality is evil, paganism is evil, this and that, and then all of these things. And so I was raised in this dynamic to believe these things that weren't truth. So when I freed myself from that, I very much so was of the mindset that like, I'm not going to get misled by men, mankind. Again, I'm going to make sure that whatever I feel is true is what is actually true and coming from the divine. Mm. So that really gave me deep reason and focus as to ensure that whatever is truth will be truth rather than, oh, that kind of sounds like it could make sense, but I'm not really going to feel into it. I'm just going to just go with whatever. That wasn't an option for me anymore. And so by the later work that now I really am rooted in, which as I said before, is all about connecting with your soul. That is the font of wisdom. That is the place where all of that stuff comes from. So for me, it's always about seeking self, going into self, making sure that I'm continually connected to self. Mm-hmm. And so how does one get there? It's really just about making that a priority. I mm-hmm. think that every day I'm wanting to seek that connection within me because your soul, which is what you really are, is always calling you back. And all we have to do as humans is to remember a little bit more every day that we're not really that human. We're actually that soul. And that will naturally pull in this sort of magnetic way. And as you're drawn to that, you're taken away from all of the uncertainty and you're led towards that connection and that knowing, even if it's happening on a subtle level. Gosh, so many was coming, so much was coming in as you were sharing that. I was like, where's my pen? Where's my piece of paper? How do I keep track of what I want to say? So one small little 
side note is that yes, in shamanism, as I'm sure you're aware, because you weave some shamanic ways into who you are and your path. But for those listening who might not know, it's all about uniting with your soul. I mean, ultimately all the shamanic journeys and rituals and techniques, it's all to get you at one with your soul. So there's no uh, disconnection. And then it's funny also with your explanation to the question, one thing that came in for me, I think when I was in the shower this morning, or maybe when I was, I started to work out again today for the first time in months. So I was riding the bike in our garage. I think it was actually when I was in that energetic motion, I had the realization that one of the reasons my seer gift is so strong, and I, I would say it's potentially my strongest gift, is because I have allowed myself to see so much about my own self. And so it's like all a reflection, right? And so in my total devotion to not letting myself mislead myself in my total devotion to not living in illusion and denial anymore, because I know the terrors of walking that path, because that was what my path was pre-awakening. I have just let myself so bravely go into every little potential nook and cranny. And I continue to be in devotion of that. So I see myself so honestly that then opened up my seership portal more and more to be able to see everything and everybody else so freaking clearly. Yeah. And I don't know if anything's coming up for you while I'm sharing that. It was just like, those were the bubbles entering as you were sharing your answer. Absolutely. Because the thing is that every spiritual gift is given firstly, so that you do the work within yourself. You are the microcosm that you're meant to master. And so from that point, you're only able to be effective externally based on the limit or the limitlessness that you've uh, accomplished within your own mastery. So that absolutely rings true because you're learning and connecting for the purpose of freeing yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you aren't honest and authentic with yourself about what you're uncovering and discovering, then what you're really doing is avoiding. And so then like, where is the clarity in that? There can't be it. Mm -hmm. Hey fam, I hope you're enjoying today's lovely Ceremony Circle podcast voyage. This is just a quick note to remind you that Animal Power Book, my first book, is officially out in the world right now. It has been released. And even before it was released, it was being rated as the top new release on Amazon in both the shamanism and angel and spirit guide categories. I'm so thankful to all of you who have already purchased the book. But for those of you who haven't, Animal Power 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul is now available anywhere books are sold. You can go to your independent bookstores, you can go to Target, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you please, and you can pick up a copy for yourself and your friends. Within the book, I share with you what power animals are, how to connect with power animals, why you want to, and there are 100 different power animal allies featured. Each has a full page of embodied, vibrant, colorful artwork done by the late William Santiago out of Brazil. And then there are energy messages and power practices that are rituals and ceremonies you can do to deepen your relationship with the animal. And there are also stories from other shamans and spiritual teachers from all around the world. They talk about an animal that changed their life. This is the project that I am most honored to co-create and to bring out into the world. It is powerful. This book is definitely a living, breathing medicine book. And I have been so enjoying all of your personal stories of what you've been experiencing with it since you have gotten it in your hands. So you can, again, go to anywhere books are sold or you can go to my website, alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And when you order the book there, you also get a free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum for you to meet your current power animal. All right, guys, back to the show.
before we move on to some of the other skills that you have in our service for with other people, I want to just touch on a little bit more. You mentioned growing up in the Pentecostal church and you grew up in Australia and you were on this path of potentially becoming a prophet. Can you just take us in a little bit more? Was there a distinct turning point? Like, did you have a divine intervention or a spiritual awakening of sorts? Or how did you do that navigating of like, okay, I was born into this path and I'm being trained in this path. How did you let yourself have this whole other side awaken to you? So I would always get dreams about being like a witch and a wizard in past lives. And that was always fascinating to me. But of course that was as, as evil as you could potentially get being in the church. So that was always seeded in there. And then as time went on, I would be sitting in like church sermons and I would be like, I'm so bored. This is so exceptionally boring to me. And for a Gemini, that's just, you just can't handle that. You have to be mentally stimulated. And so in time, it was like, I really want to explore this other stuff. I'm really into like shamanism and Taoism and paganism and all of these things. And I recognized that I couldn't do it within the church, but it also just felt like, like dull to me at that point. And it felt like there was more to understand about the universe than just that segment that was being shown to me. And so eventually I was just the one that sort of was like, okay, universe, what do you want to show me? Mm. Like allow, I allow myself to be shown whatever. And because I was raised in the way that I was raised, there were so many aspects of fear surrounding my first tarot reading. Is hell going to open up and the devil right. going to come out? You had, so, to go, you had to hit right up against like everything that you were trained and taught to absolutely run away from. You were leaning into. So yeah, you hit that friction point every single time. Wow. But yep. Man, that had to, I would guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but like pretty quickly, you're like, hold up. This stuff is actually amazing. Like, I don't, I don't think it took you too long to realize that. <laughs> Complete. And look, I was excited from it from the moment that I started learning it. Right. And that in and of itself was like fruit enough, but from the spiritual aspect of the journey per se, like you in mysticism, it's one of the recommended things that you actually come from an organized religious background because it teaches you how to learn information that is intangible instead of, and now what we see a lot of people that are like wandering the spiritual journey because they haven't come from a place of taking intangible things and making them grounded and functional because they haven't experienced that before. So you see a lot of people just like, floating off into the ether, but it's not grounding itself because there isn't that practice in place. Mm. So in mysticism, that's why it's kind of recommended. So I understand now why my soul planned it that way. But second to that, like, imagine that like there were so many of these moments where it was, okay, am I going to confront this fear of whether or not the devil's going to appear when now I get my first spiritual tattoo? Is this going to mean my soul is in damnation? Like all of these things have such visceral triggered reaction opportunities that each of them were such gifts of potential breakthrough as well. Oh, love that. I'm just like, as you're doing this storytelling, just picturing you in these different scenarios and like, is this one going to be the one where our, my soul is taken over for all of eternity? And <laughs> this is the one, but here you still are clearer and brighter than ever. All right. So I, yeah, I saw on your website, I was like, oh, I didn't know he did that. Oh, I didn't know he did that. And a couple of those ooze came from intention casting, high level curse banishing, and also property cleansing. I saw that article in LA Weekly where they dubbed you the restaurant whisperer. And I was like, that was cute. Yeah, it was super cute how he, there are different restaurateurs that have brought Todd in. He also is very skilled with feng shui. And so he merges diff different gifts that he has together to help restaurants be successful. So can you explain intention casting? Because I think that's a very unique phrase that even though more and more people are opening up to spirituality, you don't hear that one too much. So what is that? 
So, I mean, intention casting is essentially an aspect of magic. Casting is that. But so intention is really getting super clear about aligning oneself to a subject, topic, or theme. And then the casting aspect is allowing that intention to be freed and given to the universe so the universe can act on your behalf with it. And so I started, I sort of, I was inspired by spirit, obviously, to do this thing that now I call a 15-day petition, where I pray for someone's intention every morning for 15 days. And then I give them a specific symbol that's tuned into my altar, which is then directed with that energy. And then they get a specific prayer that they do every morning as well because what i've also found as well is that too many intentions all at once don't actually help you it's actually a lot better to focus on one thing and to learn the practice of focusing and then leaning into trust because in magic, a lot of times people think they've got to cast and they've got to cast again and they've got to cast again. But what that really shows is that you're not really trusting the process. All you're doing is saying it over again and then listening to your fear that says, well, maybe that one didn't take. Mm. But the whole process of creation has to be linked with surrender and then trust because otherwise you're not allowing yourself to become connected with that experience of limitlessness. You're still rooted in that place of fear. Yeah. Wow. You're for sure speaking my language. Surrender and trust are just like the two most utilized and embodied words within myself, my work, my path. And that's another area where I guess I feel like in my chat with you, I just feel like I want to give myself some mastery credit. That's another area where I feel like I've really become a master at holding the line and holding that line infused with true surrender and trust because there have been so many times throughout the years, the last interview that I did yesterday, a girl had pulled up an old Instagram post that I had forgotten about, but I was sharing about how I had a 25 year long prayer to align in sacred union. And now that thankfully that prayer has been answered, but I started casting that prayer and started doing that intention casting 25 years ago. And I held the line and all the guidance and informational steps that source the divine was revealing for me to take along the way to get another step closer to my own sovereignty, to being in sacred union and so on and so forth. I would heed all of those calls, but I held that line and held that line for 25 years. And so sometimes, I mean, I'm not trying to say that all your intention casting is going to take 25 years to come into fruition, but yeah, it does involve some at times, some really deep surrender and trust. Okay. So now we know you do that. And that's really cool. I've never known anyone to do that offering of like you doing the attuning and praying and energetic refinement on behalf of someone and then handing it over to them and being like, okay, now it's your turn. It's your responsibility. This is what you need to do from here. That's really cool. It's honestly, for me as well, it's been super interesting to see like to feel the difference in the type of magic that it functionally is, but then to see what happens for the people that actually participated in the right way as well, like crazy physical healings, money coming out of nowhere, like all manner of stuff. So it's fun to explore like that. Okay, cool. So I'm sure this is piquing a lot of people's interest. You can go to Todd's website. We'll cover that at the end. I always put in the show notes. I always do it in my Instagram post, but you can contact him there if you want him to do some intention casting. And then before we get into the closing ceremony practice, I would love for you, I know this is a big topic and you're probably going to be like, ah, don't end with this one, but I've not covered like curse banishing at all on Mm -hmm. ceremony circle. And just knowing you personally, I'd rather have someone that I really trust and know on a personal level, talk about curse banishing than someone that I have never met in person. So yeah. Yeah. What do you want to share about that? Okay. So the whole topic of curses is fascinating in general, because there is obviously different levels of it. So people can actually get cursed simply unconsciously by themselves onto themselves which is can look a lot like negative thoughts that spring into beliefs that create limitations that in essence, 
toxins come up in energy like curses because curses are kind of like blemishes or blocks or something toxic that's rooted in some way. Then you go to through some extreme where there can be someone actively directing negative energy towards you and them having some sort of actual magical power, whether it be conscious or unconscious, that's a little bit less likely. Majority of curses are self-created, typically based around past lives where vows have been taken. So people have been like a nun or they've been a monk or something. So they do various vows of chastity or poverty or whatever the case may be. Unless those are cleared properly and they're left, then they can come up as though a self-imposed curse. So that's kind of like the rain, but Then also in terms of people just having like sort of basic ones happening to them in the here and now, they typically are things that result in like low level stuff like headaches, a little bit of a dark day, that kind of stuff. To have a curse that remains persistently, it requires a source of energy that's like obviously longstanding. So that's why it's a little bit rarer, Yeah, but it can happen and it does happen. So that's kind of the sort of broad range of what they can all look like. Can I, I always you, say though. Can I ask yeah. you a quick question? Like on the more rare instances where someone is like intentionally attempting to curse someone, does that require the person attempting to do that to be like a skilled magician. I mean, because like you said, if that cursing is actually going to be effective, they have to be like on a regular basis, putting energy into that. I mean, I guess there are those people out there that I guess have taken an oath to a darker path. And like, that's maybe the work that they adhere to. But I guess my question is, because thankfully this is a world I don't babble in. Uh, so if someone would have to be skilled in curse casting and like make it their whole point, right? Otherwise the curse is going to go away. I mean, it really depends because if you're talking about like darker forces, then essentially what people are looking to do is to fuel the curse itself by a force that exists outside of this time and space. Yeah. So that would be that sort of stuff. But honestly, in truth, you don't find that very frequently. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the fear that comes with that is that there is this great big malevolent force coming after you and stopping you. But the uncomfortable truth is that your block is probably yourself and your own fear. (laughs) So that's why it's funny when the curse theme comes up in readings because immediately people go, Oh my God. And I'm like, don't worry. You can and they start running through their, the people in their life. I wonder if it's Roger. I bet Roger (laughs) always pointing the finger outside. Yeah, exactly. But in truth it's that, but yeah, when it comes to clearing, like essentially the version that I do is it takes a whole bunch of different types of typical curse clearing rituals. And then I've adapted them specifically to kind of clear the broad range of things as well. So it does deal with whatever, but it's interesting. You want to bring the topic up because I think it's very necessary to understand because a lot of times in psychic work, and you may have experienced this as well, that you deal with a lot of prediction fixing which is basically where someone comes to you and they're essentially tortured by a prediction they got given oftentimes by one of those psychic corner stop shops and they go in there for a $25 reading. Sounds like a great deal. Suddenly there's a curse. That's going to be a hundred dollars. Curse still isn't cleared. That's going to be another $5,000. Curse still isn't cleared. I'm going to actually need you to give me $50,000 so that I can do this for you. So that is a scam. True spiritual work doesn't really require a sliding scale that goes in the upper direction to be done. So if you're encountering that, find a more reputable source. But that's why when it comes to what I do with the curse clearing, one, I don't, as part of it, I don't diagnose it. So two, it's one particular rate. And my promise is that I will perform the ritual for you. And then I will tell you if there was one present or not, but my work is to clear it in general. And so that should be the kind of approach that you're looking for if you are curious about that or questioning. But it is something that gets very misused specifically to mislead people. And 
very always be cautious about psychics that are sitting on corner shops with signs in the thing because you've always got to ask yourself that retail space is expensive where is the money coming from because it's a 25 dollars rating wow yeah i'm glad that we did happen upon this and that you're the person i'm chatting about it with when i was in high school So even though I had suppressed my gifts from a young age for various reasons I've shared on other episodes, I still was always drawn to the world of metaphysics and spirituality. And one time I was with two of my closest friends and gosh, I think we were in Chicago. It was a a bigger city. We were together and my one friend wanted to go into one of those psychic reading places and exactly what you said happened to her. And it was like... I would say it's fair to say it was really damaging and traumatizing to her to be told by this person that you're leaning into vulnerably and you're, you want to trust to get like deep needed guidance that you think you need from them. And then they turn it into that whole charade where they're essentially preying upon your vulnerability. And I just remember her being so upset and distraught because she didn't have like, once that rate started to go up. And I think we, like I said, we were high schoolers and then she didn't have the money to continue to send to that woman. And she's left feeling like there's a curse on her that can't be banished because she's not financially able to give the woman money. And so, yeah, I think stuff like this is important to be spoken of just so anyone newer to the path, you can be on more high alert for certain red flags and things like that. So absolutely. And now the traditional corner shop has been replaced with Instagram readers. So be very cautious about readers on Instagram that are hitting you up with messages about that you've never instigated. They, anyone who solicits, you should be cautious about. Absolutely. I mean, I know it's happened to me. I pretty much every single spiritual friend that I have seen the, you know, fake accounts being made. It's just like an extra letter of their name at the end. And, and yeah, people have reached out saying like, this isn't you, is it? And it's exactly that. It's a person saying like, I picked up on something in your field. And if you want to have a reading email, whatever. And and that has just been running rampant the last few months. It's like the whole new thing on Instagram are all these scammers using spiritual healers and tarot readers and energy workers accounts to try to get money from other people. So this is good. We landed there. Going over my notes to make sure before we go into the closing thing, I didn't miss anything that I wanted to cover from you. I love that people describe you as frank and fresh. I thought that was like an appropriate two adjectives to describe who you are and your approach to work. And yeah, I guess covered a good amount of stuff. We got, we went into a lot of different categories that we haven't touched on. So I feel good and complete and ready for whatever you want to share for the closing ritual. Excellent. So, and it's perfect with what we were talking about earlier about trust and surrender. So this is an exercise that I get people to do. And I find that it's the only way to cover all points that you might have an unconscious block when it comes to surrendering and giving up. So in the mystical path and with whatever goes on, if you're experiencing that moment when it's like this, as we know, it's because you're fighting still and you need to give up. But oftentimes people don't know what then they're still holding on to, And that takes a little bit more of reflective work. But this process I find takes care of all of that as quickly as possible. So what we're going to do is we're going to place our hands up in the air. We're going to close our eyes. So this does two things already. One, closing eyes makes us vulnerable in the physical world. So it indicates that we're in a space of surrendering initially. Hands up means that we're opening ourselves up to the universe. This is also a good time to make sure that your legs are uncrossed as well. We want to make sure that we are in completely open conduit, which again, physiologically feels vulnerable as well. So from there, we're going to say, dear spirit. Dear spirit. Which means addressing a higher force in ourselves. I give up. I give up. I surrender. I surrender. Please help me. Please help me. Big deep breath in. And exhale out and then big clap above your head. And open eyes. 
Now, the reason why we do this is because I've found that we have to do the physiological things to indicate vulnerability and surrender and opening up, but then addressing a higher self is necessary. Then I give up means I give up my idea that I know what I'm doing. I surrender means I surrender my ego or me mixing in this mix. I'm surrendering, trying in this. And then please help me is the invitation because the spirit has to be invited into this free will space to be able to assist you in whatever. And people can tailor that to be, please help me with money. Please help me with healing, whatever the case may be. And then the clap at the end, there are extra gates of energy or chakras in the palms, which are lesser talked about. And by clapping, we're banishing negative energy and we're culminating positive force together as well. Ooh, one of my favorites. Thank you for bringing a divine surrendered prayer into ceremony circle. I used to have an online course, a shamanic course, and one of the modules was a shamanic journey I facilitated specifically for surrender. And we spoke a specific surrender statement because that was like the key step. My awakening came through divine intervention. So I needed some intervening, but then when I chose to do the most impactful step, which was why I was going to write a book on surrender before the animals came in and changed that idea. But the most important impactful step that I chose to take was exactly just in a slightly different form what we just did. It was a surrender moment and a surrender statement and literally putting my hands up in the air saying, Jesus, take the wheel. (laughs) I do not know what the hell I'm doing. I thought I did and I do not. So I'm finally willing to get out of my own way and receive in your guidance. And I will just close by saying, ah, because I'm just feeling it. Oof feeling it move through my energy body and especially my heart center a lot right now. It's like, I'm, I've now been on this path for enough years that I'm at a place and I'm able to look back and finally see this works. (laughs) This, there are many different paths through this one gateway and it can all be beautiful, but the way that I have been guided and the way I have bravely and courageously said yes, and taken the steps in being guided, I am feel like I'm living proof positive that shamanism, mysticism, these types of rituals, it's astounding because every single day, My life truly gets more and more miraculous, astounding, awe-filled, peace-filled, joy-filled, love-filled. It's truly mind-blowing. And it took a long time. You know, I remember in those first chapters in The Devoted Path, it's just like, I'm doing all this stuff. Like, is it doing something? Like, is this working? And now, yeah, all these years deep, I'm able to truly say, yes, it always was doing something. It was leading me here. And it all started with me surrendering and speaking that surrender statement. And the last little button I'll put on it is just asking the soul fam joining us, what did it feel? feel like when you just let yourself do that ritual with Todd, because it sounds and seems so simple when you're about to say potentially for the first time, I surrender and there's no judgment, but I would guess there's some listening that didn't let it come out of their mouth. They stopped themselves, hit up against a lot of resistance and that's okay. But my invitation for you is to just inquire about that pause or inquire about why you stopped yourself from saying it and sit in those waters in a healthy way and just let that inquiry continue. And if you get to a place, whether it's already right now or next week where you're like, you know what, I've sat with this, I've explored, I think I got clear why I was scared and you get ready to do it. Come back to this episode and let yourself lean into this practice if you hit up against some resistance because it's powerful even though it's very quick. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. I always love to see your face and love to share space with you and feel your energy. I'm so glad that I have you in my life now. And um, thank you for all the just healthy, embodied, good energy you share with all living beings and all the worlds, both seen and unseen and for being who you are. Oh, right back at you. Thank you. I receive. All right, guys, we will connect all of Todd's information. But for those that want to connect right now and don't want to go to the show notes, should they find you on your website or Instagram? Website's easiest. ToddSavas.com, T-O-D-D-S-A-V-V-A-S.com. Okay, there you go, Soul Fam. Thanks for joining. And we will sit with you again next time. Woo! What a beautiful, powerful voyage that was. It truly brings me so much joy and activates and lights me up to be able to sit with these incredible teachers, leaders, and masters from all over the world. So to learn more about them, just head to my website where all of the show notes and their details are listed. That's alisoncharles.com, A-L-Y-S-O-N, C-H-A-R-L-E-S.com. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle Podcast so unique is that at the end of every single episode, you're able to immerse in a potent guided ritual practice or ceremony for your empowerment. So please feel free to make note of the practices that you really resonate with the ones that really light up your soul and come back to those episodes anytime, any day. You can use them as your daily practices. And I recommend starting your day with one of them at your altar space. Ah, it's been an honor voyaging with you today. And I would so truly appreciate if you'd open your heart to take a quick few seconds to drop a review on Apple, sharing what you love most or appreciate most about Ceremony Circle Podcast. Receiving those reviews is so helpful and allows us to continue to share this valuable content. And don't forget, if you haven't already gotten your copy of my new best-selling book, Animal Power, you can do so anywhere books are sold, or I most recommend going to my website. Again, that's allisoncharles.com backslash animal power, because when you purchase for you and your friends there, you get a free video guided shamanic journey to meet your current power animal that I facilitate. Animal Power Book is a modern day compendium featuring 100 different power animals, what each animal represents, their wisdom messages for you, guided practices and stories from all over the world. I personally put the book up to my heart each morning at my altar, and I ask which animal most wants to work with me that day. And then I simply close my eyes and flip the book open to the page I'm guided. And let me tell you, I have been deeply moved to tears on many occasions, and I can't wait for you to experience it as well. I worked on this book for many, many years, and it's now my greatest honor to have it available for you. So anytime animals reveal themselves for you, you can just head to Animal Power Book and see what that animal is trying to get your attention for. All right, Soul Fam, let's unite again in our next episode coming out next week so we can sit together and continue to activate greater consciousness energies for everyone. Much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.